This is Bragg, the son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. are lit. Lotro calls for aid. And Brog shall answer. Ooga chaka, ooga, ooga, ooga chaka, ooga, ooga. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me. When you hold me in your arms so tight, you let me know everything's all right. Hi, I'm lighting a beacon. I just can't believe it that you're at Amandine. That's right. Welcome back to Like the Beacons, the only electro podcast that dares to sing a song like that to start off its first episode of 2019. This is episode 994 from the days of yore, and I am your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shield Swipe, the Arrow of Agro. Ardent of freedom and dwarf of ill repute. I am broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ, actually in Fair Athelion for once. I'm standing uh, at the banks of the river that flow by Care Andros in Fair Athelion. And I'm right next to the, the footbridge that extends to the east northeast. And uh, the bridge itself has been replaced by planks and iron grates uh, after the recent sacking of the city and the ends of the bridge there are images of the uh, kings of gondor of yore with little wings sprouting out of their heads uh, as i look across the banks i can see uh, holes in the walls already being repaired uh, there is fire um, leaping out of several different edifices across the waters uh, pillars of smoke rising into the air uh, around the main tower, which has got uh, wings on all sides, I can see a very heavy cloud of what appears to be vultures and storm crows, even heavier than I've seen on the Pelennor in the past. The water is rushing by my feet, gleaming in the sunlight, and behind me I can see the flowers and trees of Athelion creeping up the banks. Why am I here in Fair Athelion? Well, I've been continuing to round up Host of the West reputation for my hunter who's about halfway to celebrated and the the hearty 50 lotro points that accompany there too and it's been fun questing in uh, north athelion after so much time in the northern kingdoms just to get a different uh, change of pace and of course the fact that the hunter can one shot a lot of the stuff on the landscape is also a lot of fun being at level 116 but i'll talk a little bit more about that when i talk about what i've been doing in game this week um, you know, it is the first podcast of 2019, <coughs> which means Grime get on that editing. No coughing this year. Not going to stand for it. We're going to do editing. Grime is going to take all that stuff out, and uh, we're going to guard clean. And uh, geez, it means this is the 
how many years is this is the 2019 18 17 16 i think i've been doing this in five different years so far then holy cow that gives you some perspective but uh, we're going to try to start off with some energy for the new year uh the first podcast of the new year has some fun stuff always in it uh you may know what's coming but if we're gonna have time for that we got to move on to our next beacon Light them up, boys. Well, if we're going to light them up, then first we got to crack an ale. Mm. Uh, I think that was produced deep in the heart of the waterworks of Moria. You get some really hoppy, hoppy ales down there. Uh, you get just a little bit of watcher slime in them, and uh, it gives it a nice craft beer flavor. Let me see. Uh, review the agenda. We're at Elanoch as usual. We got to deal with a lot of C R A and P corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Last time out, we offended Angmar explorers and developers, Christmas tree decorators, little drummer boys everywhere, and the elves. And to everyone else that was offended, besides the elves, we offer a solemn and very heartfelt sorry. Uh, viewer comments. Let's agree to disagree on that. Um, let's check the leaderboard for iTunes reviews. There we go. Just hit every sound effect in the book. One of them will work. Uh, the last review of the podcast was left by Pomdeer on August 14th of 2018, and he currently has our high score. As always, if you want to join this plethora of reviewers, then what you can do is just leave me an iTunes review. It's that simple. Or alternatively... If you subdue and drug the Drake Lord Nanglangan, who can be seen regularly flying on patrol near the Drake Matron in the Ramduath, and you tattoo your feedback on the underside of his wings, I shall use my Earthkin agents to tr transcribe them for my eventual review. Although it's a bit like playing telephone, though, since Earthkin don't really know their letters very well. Um, but if you happen to write on the underside of the dragon, uh, Limit the bargains is the worst pad cost of all term. I will understand what you mean and will certainly appreciate such sterling kudos. Uh, viewer feedback. Agree to disagree. Um, I was uh, on tw the Twitter sphere this past week and I saw a post where somebody said, I've been listening to Light the Beacons for years. And they made some other comment. And I think I totally missed the rest of the comment or forgot it because I was lost in the impact of someone saying they've been listening to Light the Beacons for years. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, that, that hit home and is very gratifying. All I can say is thank you. And again, I'm sorry. I guess I should put that in the apologies uh, section from last week. Uh, also from Twitter, I wanted to mention that I saw um, some posts indicating that Dr. Octothorpe, lead designer of Lotro for the past six or seven years, had departed uh, SSG. Interesting note. Um, I think what people are most upset about was that he seemed to be one of the most engaging developers in terms of reaching out to the community and having some interactions there. Uh, and a lot of podcasters had spoken to him directly in the past. I think Blood Bloodborne had maybe done an interview with him at some point. Some other folks... Uh, anytime you see a, you know, a lead developer leave a game, it can't be a good thing. He seemed to indicate that he'd been let go. Yikes! Um, who knows what that could be about? I mean, you know, people are speculating, of course. 
people love to speculate, you know, that, uh, oh, he doesn't have enough resources and he got tired of fighting with management over what he could and could not do in the game, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, six or seven years is a good run, and uh, I'm sure he will find employment quickly elsewhere. I'm wishing him the best, and I'm saying a sincere thanks to Dr. Arctothorpe for everything he's done to, um, to help make Lotro the game it is over the years. Uh, hopefully we don't hear of other departures and this is an isolated incident and uh, heck gives a new opportunity for someone else to step up as per usual uh, community spotlight yuletide celebrations abound i've seen a couple different things uh, there was a uh, ballroom dancing in the hall of fire there seemed to be some kind of uh, music playing going on at winter home all kinds of stuff hey you know read the copycat other beacon if you want the details on that stuff but if you want winter cheer it uh, there's a sack full of it available uh the folks over at massively i did mention on a recent podcast that the ssg team did have a 64-bit internal build that they were doing some testing with apparently and this was the first i had heard of that could it be Finally, after years and years of speculation and uh, brief mentions here and there, it would get picked up, it would get put down. We don't have an engineer for it. We found an engineer who's looking into it. He's got other things on his plate. He's working on it when he can. Uh, could it be finally that a 64-bit client could be in the offing in 2019? It sounds possible from the latest commentary. I don't think they'd even mention it if uh, they didn't think it was going to produce some kind of results at some point. The question is, will it have any impact on performance issues, or is it all just a pipe dream? That is the question. I, I do think uh, it's going to help some people, and it's not going to help others. And the people it helps will be really happy, and the people it doesn't help will be super mad and without hope that the 64-bit client can resolve whatever their particular issue is. Uh, you got to remember the multitude of configurations uh, that can be run out there on different computers, on different operating systems, on different drivers, on different uh, graphics cards, and on and on and all, different network bandwidths, etc., etc., etc. But if it even helps a few folks out there in the game, uh, hopefully it will be worth it, and hopefully the impact will be more widespread than that. So keep your ears tuned. If you hear anything about the 64-bit internal build, please pass it along. They are not publicizing it widely, but it was mentioned, I believe, in a court event stream and perhaps elsewhere in the forums. Speaking of the forums, today's complaint du jour. Yes, today's complaint du jour in the Department of Redundancy Department. Can I help you or be of some service? It regards the burglar revamp where DPS and bleed values had not been adjusted to account for the nerf of reveal weakness, rendering them slower in soloing and undesirable in groups, as uh, the majority seemed to think, at least those that were posting on the, on the, rant, on the rant forum. The galling thing for months is that this was widely reported, and, and, and I'm speaking for those that are complaining, not for myself, uh, the issues were widely reported on Bullroar and yet hid live anyway with no dev feedback or recognition. It was months later that Cordovan finally acknowledged they were aware of the issue, but with no timetable to correct and no explanation of why uh, what hit live did. You know, if you're not going to put in the changes to bleeds and DPS values, then don't put in the nerf to reveal weakness. I mean, the raid's not out yet. Who cares, right? It's coming soon, but you could have introduced it with the raid if that's what you were really worried about. 
But until you have the offsetting uh, changes in DPS and bleeds, why do the nerf? Why do one without the other? You know it's going to cause issues. So seems to be a circumstance where somebody was working on the burglar stuff and got pulled off of it. Or I think I've mentioned this in the past. The person working on the Bjorning, you know, uh, you know, juxtapose this with the Bjorning dev that had a comparatively huge amount of community interaction regarding the OP furball changes. Um over weeks, you know, replying on the forums multiple times, recognizing this, asking about that, you know, chipping in here and there, Berg form, crickets, 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 no feedback, no feedback, and it comes out broken. You were working on both, right? So is that different styles of the two different devs, or was there an issue where one got sacked and there was a lack of continuity? You know, a game company should not let this kind of disparity persist. It only causes issues. If anything, if that's all they could do, I'm not condoning this, but they should have told the Bjorning guy, hey, scale it back. We can't do it in this other area, and you're making him look bad. <laughs> At least they would have been the same. But having one person being effusive and engaging and the other non-existent, and then the stuff coming out broken, that looks terrible. You know, if it can't be resolved organically as far as, you know, their styles and their interactions with community, then mandate a communication schedule. Say every week I want you out there, you know, posting some thoughts on what people are giving feedback on or every two weeks or whatever the case may be. But, you know, have some consistency for goodness sakes. Ugh. All right. That's why I don't go to the forums that often because the pitchforks and the torches bother me. But I got to admit, that got one me. Uh, that one got me a little personally as well. So in this week's action-packed episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in game these past few weeks, and then you know it comes next. It's all about predictions for 2019. How did we do last year, and what's in store for this year? Lastly, if we have any time remaining, we will return all of your Christmas presents that did not fit. Uh, but if we want to have time for that, we better get moving to our third beacon. Bravo. There you have it. Uh, ail me. Ail me, please. Nardal. This week in gaming and or other Tokyo news. Uh, let me see. What else have we been playing lately? Well, Clash of Clans, I still need 8 million gold for an eagle artillery. Anyone uh, care to give me a loaner out there? Uh, Star Trek Online. I have not played it, but I did give out a cry for help today on Twitter. Here's my conundrum. Some of you guys, I'm sure, have played STO over the years. Um, I'm on, like, level 21, which is, like, some kind of lieutenant commander, somewhere in that range. And I've been that level for, I don't know, a year or two. <laughs> uh, I've been playing the game only sporadically, basically, when the Lotus servers were patching or, you know, when the peak took me. And recently, all I've been doing is logging in... Um, picking up my, what do they call them, field uh, operatives that they go out and do tasks for me and you collect them back. I think it's called the, the field lieutenant system or something along those lines uh, where you can just assign people to tasks and then reap the rewards when you log in, you know, a couple hours later or the next day. And so, I, I you know, whatever ones I qualify for, I go out and I do and then I collect the rewards. I've actually gotten a couple levels like that over the last year or two. And then I'll go out and do like maybe one quest where I'll try to go somewhere and do something that I haven't seen before. And even though I believe the quests are on level, as best I can tell, uh, I've been having trouble finishing on-level quests. Like I'm in space, and I shoot down a ship, and then I find this other kind of destroyer. I'm not even close to being able to beat this thing. Like, it's destroying me, and I, I barely have dented its morale. Its hit points are like at 90%. 
And so I think I'm definitely underpowered for where I need to be at the level I am. But I don't know what sectors to go to or what quest to do to try to catch up. I don't know what is a good level area to go to try to explore and uh, build some experience or get some gear that will help me get up to speed. There's just so many places to go in the universe. There's all these new missions and stuff. You know, there's PvP queues. There's all kinds of other... I, I don't know where to go and what to do. I'm looking for advice. And I could find it on the interwebs, but it's easier just to ask any of the fans out there, any of the viewers who played STO, if they happen to know for a level 21-ish lieutenant commander who's underpowered, what you would go, what you would go do, and what you would try to grind to improve yourself. You know, if I played the game every other day, I'm sure I'd do a little research and I'd watch the, uh, the comments and the discussion or join a fleet and get some help and figure this stuff out. But I'm not doing that. It's a sideline. And it will continue to do so. And uh, lately I've been playing because I feel kind of stuck. I'm not sure where to go and what to do to advance. So looking for advice. Let me see what else we've been doing. Uh, I did play a little bit of Half-Life, not much, because for Christmas we got Spider-Man for the PS4, and I had been playing that when I have a chance. It is really fun. I'm about, I don't know, 12 to 15% through the main story at this point, level like seven, six or seven, I think. And oh my gosh, it's super fun so far. Just swinging through the cities itself is uh, is a is a blast. And uh, you know what I am finding is that the combat, there's so many different options for how to fight that it's a little overwhelming to figure out. You know what's you know I don't want to button mash. I want to be smart about it. But there's so many different options for combat. You can web guys up. You can jump up punch them up in the air and then fight them in midair you can um, you can pick up objects and sweep them around you in circles you can suspend people from the ceiling you can do power punches you can do combos you can heal yourself and it really is um, a lot to get a hold of I'm sure eventually I'll get the hang of it I'm doing fine so far I'd say but uh, boy they've got the entire city of Manhattan built down to the street level um, it's really pretty amazing how much detail is in there. So that's been a good time. And the Teen Dwarfs in the house are also playing Breath of the Wild on uh, the Switch, which uh, you know I've been watching a bit of here and there. The last Zelda game I played, I actually completed... Um, oh, gosh. Uh, the last major Zelda game for the, for the Wii, uh, Twilight. Twilight uh, Darkness or Twilight, you know the one I'm talking about. Anyway, I did actually, that was the first Zelda game I'd ever played, and I actually played it from beginning to end and finished it, uh, which was a blast, but took a long time. This one looks even more staggeringly huge. So I think, you know, the uh, the intimidation factor is there that you could spend, you know, easily 100 or 200 hours in this game with different objectives and stuff if you wanted to. So I'm going to keep that one on the back burner for now and let the Teen Dwarves uh, show me the way. Um, did get to play Dungeon Dragons this past week. We're continuing with the Teen Dwarves to make their way through the Mines of Fendelver, which is the new starter pack. Uh, and we completed the encounter at Old Owlwell, uh, which included a number, a number of zombies and an evil mage. And we're heading to Thunder Tree, I believe, next. So uh, moving along slowly but surely in that, and hopefully to get another couple play sessions uh, before the oldest dwarf heads back to university at Thammerdane. Um... More games are coming. I'm still waiting to try either Monster Hunter or Super Mario Odyssey, which uh, which has come out uh, or which was procured for Christmas. 
Uh, they all look fun and stuff, but there's not enough time in the day. So what's going on with movies and TV? I've been watching from a TV perspective a bunch of different stuff. Um, I did start the new Daredevil. Uh, I finished the old Iron Fist, which was disappointing. It was better than the first one, you know, the Netflix uh, series Iron Fist. But gosh, this is the characters are so far from the original feel of the comics. The guy in the comic was so competent. He had so many skills. He was so cool. He could do all these different things. And the guy in the TV show is just the worst. He's a loser. He can barely win any fights. He doesn't like have any focus or skills. He's not like a human weapon. He's just awful. <laughs> he's just, you know, the actor's okay, but they, they made the character so nerfed. Like, he can barely do anything. And then they gave his power to somebody else, and they tried to imply that if he came back, he would instead, like, be able to fire, like, uh, iron bullets from iron guns instead of having an iron fist. Oh, my God. Um... Just so far from the cool uh, character that I love from Power Man and Iron Fist comics that um, I'm actually glad they canceled it. Now, on the other hand, the new Daredevil, which is season three, uh, I think has probably been one of the better ones I've seen recently. And through two episodes, I'm very excited about that series and getting into it um, very much. And it could be the return of the Kingpin, but it's also just a different tone, uh, a little better quality, a little better acting, a little better storyline, a little bit of everything. They just got it going on versus the other guys. Uh, but I agree, Power Man and Iron Fist were both um, underwhelming for me, besides the soundtrack from Iron Fist, uh, from Power Man, which was good. So um, anyway, I'll let you know how Daredevil goes as I start getting into that. I'm also watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I'm finding very funny. Tony Shalhoub is excellent. It's a little more adult-themed, uh, but it's a lot of fun if you're into that type of thing. But for, for a period piece, it's a breath of fresh air, and there's some really good acting and writing in it, and it's well-produced. Uh, from a movie perspective, uh, let me see. I st I've seen Aquaman, Mary Poppins, Returns, and Vice over the last couple weeks, probably since I talked to you. Maybe I saw Mary Poppins last time I talked to you, but uh, Aquaman and Vice. Aquaman was uh, okay. I'm not sure what more I can say than that. I went and saw it in a big theater, and it was fun to see in a big theater. And uh, uh, some of the scenes were cool. Some of the action sequences, set pieces were cool. Some of it was a little too much CGI, overwhelmed. Um, and uh, Jason Momoa was funny in parts, decent in others. Amber Heard was okay. Uh, you know, it was okay. Um, you know, for DC, that's pretty good. <laughs> Because they need more of those, right? Next to Wonder Woman, they didn't have many. Anyway, it seems to be a huge financial hit, especially globally. So I think we might be seeing more Aquaman in the future. And it bodes well for another Justice League movie at some point if uh, at least two out of the three stars are doing well in terms of their uh, solo efforts. Um, of course, they need a new Superman, and they have to decide whether they're doing a Batman movie with uh, Batfeck. What do they call him? Afbat? I can't remember. Um, one of those. I saw Vice the other day, also entertaining, good, uh, very slanted liberal view, of course, but, uh, you know, pretty fact-based, too, for a lot of it, so it's kind of hard to refute exactly what's going on there. It's a little disappointing. That's how U.S. politics runs, unfortunately, in a lot of cases, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a cautionary tale, and one that I think everybody should see, whatever side of the aisle that you're on. I also, just as a little throwback, over the Christmas holidays, I watched, I pulled a movie out of my 80s bag for the kids to see that none of them had seen before, which was The Goonies. 
and uh, and uh, they actually enjoyed it quite a bit. They thought it was really good. So that I was, uh, you know, they always a little suspicious when Dad pulls an old movie out of the bag, but uh, they really liked this one. Uh, for those of you who are out there, what's the Lotro connection between Goonies? Don't tell me, don't tell me. Uh, well, first of all, Samwise Gamgee, as a youngster, plays the lead in the Goonies, as some of you may know. And secondly, uh, the final scene where the ship is in the cavern at the bottom, spoiler alert, uh, does that does that bring an instance to mind in Lotro? You can't tell me this did not inspire the Forsaken Inn instance. Uh, the timing was just too... Uh, was was uh, things cut a little too closely so i'm going to say that's a direct influence on the imagery and the design of the forsaken inn final final encounter uh even the slide down the water slides uh comes directly from the movie but um uh, uh, probably the most fun part of that instance so good thing they did i uh, still have not seen Greenbick widows or bumblebee and captain marvel is on the horizon too so i better get my little took us moving before the oscars come out uh, from a book's perspective, I returned to Tokian's Unfinished Tales uh, because I had not finished them before. So I've completed the section on the Children of Huron. On, although it's redundant with the recent book, it was a nice refresher on the Vanquisher of Glaurung. And I remarked again on the Greek tragedy influences of this story that are very strong. Um, from a Lotro perspective... Is the producer's letter in offing over the next two weeks? I actually thought there was a chance it might come out before this podcast. However, uh, I saw a comment from Cordovan just in the last two or three days saying they'd like to get out as soon as they can, but it's not even close to ready. So I am thinking it might be another week yet before we see the producer's letter. So I'm getting my predictions out before the producer's letter just to get on the record about that. Bragg at level 120 has been doing winter festival stuff and not much else i uh, ran another battle at frost bluff for five token festive festival tokens to have enough to purchase the not so grim cosmetic pet which is just kind of cool it's the little snowman that spins around in circles behind you with little snowflakes all over it and uh yeah just kind of felt that was a good one to have um not that i don't have enough pets my mini is only level 115 has been lying fallow, but I think maybe next on the leveling curve now that my cappy is 120. So look out. Uh, my cappy 120, the fashionable, completed all the Arid Mithrin storylines to open up the dailies, uh, which allows completion of some of the books of lore since uh, some of the pages are in the resource instances for those. Uh, he celebrated with some new purple level jewelry for tokens of long beards and a few green armor pieces with some mild essence upgrades from landscape drops here and there. I've done maybe three or four of the resource instances with him. Not going crazy on these, uh, getting all the deeds done like Bragg. Um, but I will need to get my captain to Kindred at some point for be the best rewards uh, from the vendors per the usual. Uh, maybe I'll actually use some rep accelerators for him um, this time around as well. And um, also, I, I, again, just to remind of a little tip, as I'm doing resource instances in Arid Mythen, I, I always try to, if I don't, even if I don't do them all, I always try to finish the wrapper quest, the one where the guy says, "Bring me some scrub moss and some pebbles and some mineral salt," I think is what it is. He, he stands right next to the resource instance guy, and um, if he if you finish one whole resource instance, you'll get either probably two of those things will drop during the course of that, and then you have to start a second one to get the third drop typically. 
and uh, maybe kill the first five, six, seven mobs, depending on your luck of the drop rate. And then you'll get that last piece, and you don't have to complete the instance. You can back out then and turn in that uh, turn down that quest, which gets you, I think, ten tokens plus some rep. Where you know doing the three or four quests to finish an instance will only get you like nine tokens, so you can get just as many tokens finishing the wrapper quest uh, by just killing five or six or seven mobs in a second instance. So always worth doing uh, if you have the time. Let me see. My lore master 115 is the other option for leveling next. We'll see. Have to decide between he and the mini. Uh, aside from that, let me see. Lore master. Where am I? Uh, the Berg is idle at love, although he just did turn level 117 doing uh, Frost Bluff quests. And my hunter is level 116. Only needs celebrated rep for the um, for the wastes meta deed. So I'm working my way through North Athelion and at Alan Verain and just uh, checked in at the um, at the window of the west um, in North Athelion. It's uh, been good to quest in North Athelion and, and uh, go back through that content because I haven't done it in a while. Get a little break from the Northern Kingdoms. I just did the all the instances when you arrive at. Uh, Henneth uh, Varun, I think it's called. Um, I did. A, you get to arrive there, and you do like three or four instances in a row, all about find Faramir fighting Frodo and Sam, and and Gollum at the pool, and deciding what to do with those. And uh, you can you can uh, activate those and go and off and do something else, and come back when the dialogue's done, and check in and finish them up. So that's three or four easy quests to get through. Uh, and about halfway to Celebrated Rep, I think I might have to finish almost all of uh, North Athelion to get there, even with accelerators. Uh, but hopefully without having to resort to dailies. Um, I also did the instance with the hunter of uh, the breaking of the Morgul Vale Bridge. Uh, with Gandalf and Aragorn as you go to the crossroads and I paid a bit more attention this time to uh, the layout of uh, Miss Morgul Vale um, because uh, I think we'll be heading back there soon so my Bjorning is still level 108 um, I haven't done much with him recently but I've been reading up on how OP they are as healers right now supposedly so I've been considering prioritizing him and getting his butt in gear to end game uh, while the getting is good My RK is now level 60, uh, thanks to Frost Bluff Winter Quests, and has been summoned by the Golden Host to go to Mirkwood. So I'll have to hop by Haldir on his flat some point soon and open that up. Although, um, at the end of the Winter Festival, I do intend to send him back to the Waterworks into Moria. I am not done with Moria yet on that guy. My warden is level 43. Um, a high elf warden reached level 20. Uh, actually, 23 now. Oops. Need to update that. My high elf warden is level 23 now, thanks to Fest Winter Festival. And uh, she got a, out of a sack of presents, got a vitality tome that she could use immediately, of course, because it was only tier 1. Um, Brag on the legendary server of Anor is level 24, and he's currently questing in the Lowlands at Oscaruth. And my captain on the legendary servers is now level 31. He's completed the Circle of Blood and Harlog quests and went to Agamar, uh, hooked up with a few people briefly to romp his way through the, uh, gosh, what are they called? 
the ruins of Agamar that lead up to the Red Maid and, and the, um, the instances with Ivar and the Blood Tree. And uh, then he bailed for Trestlebridge. I wanted to get out of there. I was level 30. I'd already been invited to go to the North Downs. And uh, as I was questing in Trestlebridge, I hooked up with a group that needed one more for Fornost. And we ran Fornost basically on level. Um, it was level 31. I was only level 29 when we went in. They set it at 31 because most of them were 31 or 32. And I went from level 29 to 31 over the course of maybe an hour as we did uh, all four of the Fornost instances. I put on a skill Slayer Accelerator right before we started and finished multiple deeds, both Slayer and class deeds, um, during that time frame. I was the lowest level on the party, but I died only once, and that was kind of a close thing, too, when I was trying to res someone else, and so I was locked into being motionless and overwhelmed. Um, a Cappy in-combat res induction is really slow. I, I thought it used to be faster. I thought it used to be a couple seconds, and it just seems like, I don't know, maybe there's a, a legacy or a trait that as I trade further, it will go quicker, but, I mean, I... You know, there were mobs uh, coming out in the second boss fight for the Shadow instance. Um, you know, there were probably 60 mobs on the screen. And I stopped for a second to res a, a fellow and I got overwhelmed <laughs> and got killed myself. So, um, we'll see. Maybe they slowed it down or maybe I'll, I'll get to accelerate it later through more trade points. I forget. And uh, unfortunately, minutes after I, we finished all four instances, including the final boss of the Shadow instance, which can be... Shadow Wing, which can be tough at times. Uh, minutes after, I went to Esteldine for the first time and picked up the Four Morgul Hilts quest. Mr. Jones. I got completely jonesed on that, so now i got to run Fornost again at some point. <laughs> which I have to do. It's still worth doing anyway, because I have a lot of Slayer deeds that can get finished off by going back um, in order to finish the Morgul Hilts quest. And maybe I'll try to pick up the Collar for the King before I go back in as well, if that's possible. All right, other Tokyo news, I got nothing. But I want to start um, a new tradition in the podcast while we're talking about Lotro. And through the magic of podcasting, it will only take a second. Okay, so at the end of the section, I want to start a new little tradition here. I've been looking at these black sturdy steel keys I have in my bag for a long time now, in my little stack of adventures, travel, lock boxes, whatever. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if it makes sense to save them down the road for something else that might be more advantageous or to, to do. You know what? I'm just going to start using them up. Uh, I'm going to use them a little bit at a time. And what I thought would be fun is if maybe I used one key each week, each time I do an episode of the show. And we'll see what comes out of the box live together. And uh, I'll get some knowledge about what, uh, what kind of bonuses or benefits available. And maybe you will decide whether or not to use your black sturdy steel keys. If you stockpiled any before update 23 point whatever came out. Alright, so I've got a little stack here. I've got nine bound black steel keys. And in my bags I also have an adventure steel bound loot box, which is the one that has content scale for level 116 to 120. And let's see if all that grinding for keys was worth it. I am opening up the box. I am applying the key. I am consuming the key. Woo! Okay, so here's what we got. 500 embers of enchantment, not bad, those are useful. Four minor potions of power, that's a useless piece of crap I'm going to throw away immediately. An enduring helm of the adventure, okay, so this is a level 370 piece of hemi armor, 
which has the exact same armor that I currently have, might, vitality, fate, and critical defense. Okay, so this is an exact duplicate of a piece that I already have, although maybe the cosmetic is different. Let's take a quick look at that. Uh, cosmetic is just okay. So the upside of this is if I didn't already have this helmet, this would have been a wearable piece that would have been decent for my guard. As it is, I'll probably disenchant this, which would be another 200 uh, embers of enchantment. So that's 700 embers of enchantment. And we also got a hooded cloak of the Grey Mountain Stalwart. So let me take a look at that. If that cloak is... That is not a bad cloak. It's not super, but it's got a cool um, texture to it. It's almost got like these felt panels that are crisscrossing the back. It's not bad, but given how many cloaks I have, I'm not impressed enough probably to put it in my wardrobe. It does disenchant to 200 figments of splendor. So I am going to say that this key and lockbox combination basically gave me 700 amb embers of enchantment and 200 figments of splendor. And that was about all that I could use out of that. So that is okay, not terrible, not great. Um, we'll see if maybe the next episode, that lockbox, is a bit more exciting. But now it is time to move on to the next beacon of Aralas. Which brings me to my predictions for 2018. Yes, that's right. These are the predictions I made in January of last year. And we're going to go through and uh, see how we did with some of these okay so i made 11 predictions last year i was very uh, aggressive obviously and number 11 said in keeping with my annual tradition i am going to predict a shelob raid in 2018 okay so second verse same as the first this is uh, an f but i blame ssg more than i blame myself for reprioritizing their content deliveries and going back on their freaking word all right, number 10, Hobbit and Dwarf Avatar updates will include Dwarven nipple rings and Hobbit pie-in-the-face cosmetic options. Okay, this is another F, but uh, I still think that the nipple rings would be a big seller. Another missed revenue opportunity there for SSG, so I suggest they get on that maybe for 2019. Uh, number 9, the musical edition of the fiddle into the game will inspire so many Charlie Daniels band ripoffs of The Devil Went Down to Georgia that all forms of the song will be banned from Weatherstock and other formal concert gatherings of any kind. As some of you may know, I took this prediction in my own hands and made it happen. In LTB episode 86, the Dark Lord went down to Hobbiton. I give myself an A, and anyone who's heard that would certainly outlaw the playing of that song at Weatherstock or any other community. Uh, number eight, the continuation of the Black Book of Mordor storyline will reveal that the Black Book itself was an actual black book, i.e. a booty call diary of Sauron's, where evil chicks are cataloged and rated based on previous dates with the Dark Lord. The Gurgil will continue to vie for this highly sought-after relic with the prime digits for many evil bimbos, including Sarah Okart, Larith, Amarthiel, the Mistress of Pestilence, and Gun Ain. You can read about why, if you have a night out with Gun Ain, you will be begging for quote-unquote mercy, and why Larith is really called, quote-unquote, the Stained. Okay, maybe that Larith comment went a little far, uh, so I declare a proactive CRAP on that one. Um, so, how did this prediction turn out? We received some hints around the actual origin of the Black Book for the first time, hidden away in the Yarnfast, of all places, 
It's interesting to me that no development of this story took place during the Mortar expansion, and I wonder if the plan was always to wait until after to find out more about it in the Iron Hills. It kind of sounds like an audible to me. I mean, I always just kind of figured that the Black Book was just a new way to signal the next phase after the Epic Book. So it was never clarified that it would be an actual artifact. I just always assumed, okay, they're done with the Epic Book because the ring's been destroyed. Now the Black Book is the story of Mordor in general. Um, by the way, interesting parallel between the Black Book of Mordor and the Red Book of Westmarch, which is kept by the Hobbits. Anyway, I consider the grade on this one incomplete until we find out more about the contents of this Black Book from Yarnfast. All right, number seven. Urudani, Ugrakor, Lareth, Barangos, and Gothmog will all team up to form a new alt-rock supergroup called the Dregs of the Dark Lord and will tour Nern with a Marilyn Manson undercard until spiraling egos cause the breakup of the band due to songwriting credit disputes. Okay, you can add a few more band members to this list, including Mordroth, Shelob, and Karazgar. So, by the way, did you miss this tour? It was epic. Barangos can really play the drums and the bongos, as it turns out, when he gets going. Uh, Peart-like, one might call him. And uh, Lareth in Black Spandex? Hubba. I give myself a B on this one. Number six, the addition of Lake Town to the game will allow snorkeling adventures over the submerged corpse of Smog. I showed up splashing around. Okay, more could have been done here as far as uh, submerging the corpse of Smog, but you get kind of close to it around the edges and stuff. I give myself a C on that one. Uh, number five, the Tolkien description of Northern Mirkwood as being as dark as a patch of midnight that have never been cleared away will allow SSG to save a fortune on landscape development since none of the geography will actually be visible. This one was actually pretty close. Ugh. What a pain those landscape areas are to, to traverse. Uh, I mean, they're visually amazing, but from a practical navigation standpoint, they are a nightmare, and I refuse to quest there again if I can avoid it. Uh, I give myself a C. Number four, Erebor being one of the last remaining Grand Kingdoms of the Dwarves will be epic, though not as epic as Moria. So it was less epic originally, a lot less. Uh, in fact, they basically constrained it to what you found in the Allegiance Hall. But it improved greatly in the second pass. Uh, so I give myself a D that morphed into a B. And uh, not as epic as Moria was certainly correct. Number three, we will eventually find out where all the spiders went. And we won't frigging like it at all. Well, this was discovered during the Velagoth storylines. It's coming in 2019. Uh, you better make an early reservation for the Orkin Man in 2019 now because he's going to be booked. I give myself an A. Number two, the Northern Mirkwood release will start to introduce us to the next major area in the game and eventually point us to journeying east to find the Blue Wizards and conquer the Easterlings of Run in 2019. All right, well, we went east and we encountered Easterlings. Northeast, at least, and we started to look at the backstory of the refuges of Run to set this up in the future. But then we took a 180 degree turn and headed back to Arid Mithrin, and now Gundabad and Minas Morgul probably lie in our path first, uh, i.e., let's see what the producer's letter says. So I expect the rest of this prediction to come true either late next year or in 2020. Eh, give myself a D. Plus. Number one, we will find out why Barangos is really called the horror. 
Hint, the first two letters of his name are a dead giveaway. He has bad B.O. And he will eventually reveal through the gateway of Nargoth that the origins and power of Orodruin, Mount Doom, are derived from the Balrog or Rogs buried there in the Second Age, tethered there by Sauron and servitude to create a fire hot enough to craft the One Ring. All right, this is still an epic prediction, and I still like it, but it's one of many storylines that still need to be concluded in the year ahead. Made of Lions, get busy, because right now, this one is incomplete. Okay, so averaging all those together and doing a little math without showing any of my work, I believe that I merit a solid B. Uh, about the same grade I believe SSG earned this past year for their two expansions and new instances and so forth. And that brings us to the fifth beacon of Min Rimon. The fifth beacon of Ben Rimon, and now for the original weekly sponsor segment, this week's show is brought to you by Austin Powers, the level 100 sexual lore master NPC, who recently time-traveled here from a random Twitter reference. Uh, he puts the Randy in Brandywine, baby, yeah! The Lad in Gladden, the Andro in Landreville, and of course the Oral in Laurelin. Keep an eye out for this swinger, because coming soon to a pug near you, where he gives new meaning to the term Sikkim. Groovy. All right, yeah, I know that's a bit non-sequitur, but uh, you all viewers out there know what I'm talking about. Some of you know. Uh, let's move on to the sixth beacon of Callanhead. I just liked uh, he puts the Randy and Brandywine, but then the Laurel one came along and became my favorite because it's dirtier. Hey, Beacus Interruptus. Look, I am a dwarf, okay? Uh, we are Callanhad. That brings us to predictions for 2019. And away we go. Number 10. Karasgar sets up shop in the abandoned Orthanc and turns it into a Tower of Rust. Number 9. Floyd and DeWitt, Floyd and DeWitt are caught red-handed in a sting operation as the masterminds of a Middle-Earth-wide drug smuggling cartel. By the way... Yes, a sting operation is any Bounder special task force that uses Bilbo and Frodo's legendary glowing sword to light the way on their raid. Number 8. The 64-bit client debuts in 2019, causing Warsteeds to rubber band forward by 20 to 30 meters a clip in anticipation of the direction you appear to be heading. Development work begins immediately to design a new 48-bit client to split the difference. Number 7. Daybreak publishers, in a brilliant stroke of strategy, decide to increase revenues by delivering superior quality products that are highly sought out by their customers, rather than continuing to lay off employees. Number six, Mount Gundabad debuts in the game featuring a minecart roller coaster weaving around over and through the mountain that can be ridden during festivals for 10 mithril coins a ride. SSG revenues skyrocket. Number five, New Tier 4 difficulty raids and instances premiere in game to satisfy hardcore players tired of EZ mode, but they still complain that the same rewards can be earned by running 10,000 Winter Home Festival quests. Number 4. During the Minas Morgul expansion, Mordrith slips through our fingers yet again and sets up camp in the south farthing of the Shire under the guise of a brigand boss named Krabby, who is eventually stabbed in the back by his scullery maid, Nona. Number 3. Legendary weapons are overhauled and simplified for the masses, leading to a few basic tiers of proficiency. Low, medium, high, with a very high tier only achievable through the application of 
2,112 scrolls of empowerment. Number two, towards the end of the year, we turn our attention east to the lands of the Easterlings and the Great Sea of Run. Only those who have achieved the highest reputation level in Hobnanigans, which is the national sport there, will be allowed in the Citadel. Number one, really going out on a limb with this one. This is kind of crazy, I know. But I am predicting a Shelob raid in 2019 yet again. Woohoo! And this time, it's guaranteed money in the bag. That brings us to the seventh beacon of Alatherian. Sorry, we ran out of time to squander. It's time for blessed relief. I'm officially. Slamming my ale and the door on the 94th episode of Light the Beacons. I would very much like to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all your constructive critique. I've had precious little of that of late. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for all spice. Very underused spice. Uh, Facebook or Twitter at Bragson of Ballon, or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I am also on Google Play, although I learned recently I don't believe you can leave reviews on Google Play based on my interwebs research, which is a shame, um, or it might save me in a few instances. So I kindly request you to take the time to create an iTunes review like Pomme d'Air did. If perchance you're so inclined, I would very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forsake my legendary human apothecary, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before. Or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week here in Middle-earth at the fledging stages of 2019. This is Bragg, the son of Balan, reminding you that if it ain't Baruch, don't fix it. And if you suddenly find yourself having nightmares about the existence of ghost spiders in your virtual universe, don't despair. Light the beacons. Hey, have a great 19, 2019. I hope it's starting well for all of you. You know, episode 94 is in the books, and I am starting to think a little bit forward to the fact that I may just crack uh, triple digits in this category soon. So I haven't even put any thought yet into what that might mean or what an episode 100 might look like. But uh, if there's something you're interested in seeing or hearing or contributing, maybe start to drop me a line and let me know so I can do some noodling on it. And in future episodes leading up to number 100, I will uh, put out the call uh, to see if there's any other input that I can get from the community. But uh, it's it just might happen. It's getting closer. It's getting closer at this pace, maybe maybe a few months away. So uh, I don't want to jinx it. That's enough. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. But uh, I love you guys, and I'll see you soon. Have a good one.